people, good listeners, we are back for another episode of Debates Never Die. Week two in the Premier League is about to be wrapped up. We've got a whole bunch of football to get into. Um, I'm joined by Bones, Kanya, Toby. Gents, how are we doing? Yeah, we're yeah. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Happy to be up to Chelsea L especially. You know, I couldn't miss this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Good to be back. Good to be back. It's been a minute. I feel like I feel like after the hype of opening weekend, uh, this weekend reminded me just how integral football is in our lives. Just from the moment I woke up yesterday till now, it's been prem, it's been results, it's been football Twitter, it's been crazy, but it's been good. Um, and we're about to get into the thick of it. And no better place to start than with the big game of the weekend yesterday. Uh, Man United taking on Spurs away from home, and coming away with a two-nil defeat. Um, Obviously, in typical Man United fashion, it's not just the result. It's all the bells and whistles on top of that, um, which we'll get into. But I'll just start off with you, Toby. Obviously, fellow United fan, what do you make of A, uh, the game itself, and B, that result, given the context of the Wolves game and it's the second game of the season? What do you, what, what's your assessment? Um, to be honest, the fair assessment is we're just not up to scratch. I've been saying it on the group a lot recently in terms of like the physical level. The mindset, it just looks like the players are very, very good. And I think maybe it is what you usually see at the start of the season. I think I'm up to that on the group. It is the beginning of the season, so it is going to be slow. So hopefully within the next few weeks, they will kick into another year. But I think that midfield, I was ex- I was expecting, I was hoping that he would try and mix it up. So maybe bring in Mane for Mount or something just a little bit different because we knew that midfield was not doing the job. But I'm just to speak quickly on the first half. The thing is, if we, I think, if we scored at least those two goals, I think the whole game would have looked completely different. I think that second half also could have been completely different. And we probably wouldn't be having this conversation about, oh, Man United, what happened? Why are they falling off? Whatever, whatever. But it's just, we saw this last season, a lack of people being clinical, which is, I guess, why we brought in Hoyland, whatever his name is. But yeah, other than that, sad. We keep on pushing, man. We keep on pushing. I mean, fair enough. That is technically how football games work. If you take your chances, you come out as a winner. But if you don't, then, you know, you're left to pick up the scraps. Yeah. Um, Bones, Toby mentioned something quite interesting. Um, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll start with your assessment of the game. But he says that hopefully we can see the team kick on in the next couple of weeks. That next couple of weeks is obviously Forest at home, Arsenal away, and then Brighton at home. Um, <laughs> so... To the upcoming fixtures, what what do you think of yesterday's performance? Um, I think the first half in particular, we were in the game, but we could definitely see that Spurs were imposing their will and uh, we were playing on the break and we had a few chances. I think that should have been a penalty and I think the events of the week previous factored into why it wasn't. Um, but the second half, there's really no excuse for what that performance was. Spurs just looked way more fitter, uh, hungrier, um, and more organized. Um, Toby touched on it at the midfield. Just it's it, there's no balance in it, and I think I understand why he played him again because he wants them to figure it out. Because I yeah. think he sees that those are probably that's probably the best midfield as far as what he's trying to do, and if it's moving the ball quickly or moving it uh, long passing or 
whatever whatever he's trying to do. I'm I'm, I'm a bit unsure at the at the present moment. <laughs> um, and then yeah, uh, yeah, the next few weeks, I I do think that certain players are gonna start kicking on again. I think Rashford would do Ooh. a lot on the wing because <laughs> he's not getting service. Um, he's making a lot of good runs that I think if the wingers were looking for him um, would get him a bit more chances and get him more involved. I mean, he is our best attacker. So the fact that he's starving now and he's getting frustrated and we're not getting, we're not scoring, um, you know, it doesn't bode well if, if that continues. Um, and hopefully Martial is getting close to fitness so he can play strike at least and Rashford can go on the wing. Never mind if he's going to play, if he's going to play well. I think we just need Rashford on the wing. We need Rashford back on the left wing. Um, I think Sancho deserves a chance. Bones, it's simple. Play Mount as that. Uh, he played play there for Chelsea. I don't think it's going to be crazy. Just put him there. Rashford up top. Bring in McTominay. Bring some stability to the midfield. Let's go. Mm, mm, mm. I'm sorry, jumped in. You guys mm. are finished, actually. You're two games into the season, and already it's you know you gotta bring Martial back in. That's a better way to go about this. <laughs> I was seeing Sancho false nine during preseason. I thought there was a plan for him like that. Turns out that's not even the case. Now you're talking about yo, we gotta figure out how to make about to work. 60 m down the drain. Lads, this is crazy. This I'm I'm so happy I'm here. First of all, thank you guys for like insisting <laughs> they happened. Listen, 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 listen. I'm listen. so glad I got to hear United fans like getting Boy, together man. to you know beat it out. This is I'm, I feel honored, <laughs> honestly, honestly. Wayland's wow. injured. Wayland's injured right no, now. No, of course, of course, of course. So, but I just think it's scary that that listen because I'm again as I, as I've said before in the group I got slaughtered for. For thinking Hoyland can't be a surprise this season, given his price tag. The fact that your only options up front are Hoyland and Rashford, kind of, is so scary to me. Do you guys not think that, like, maybe, like, Tenag squad building might already have flopped? Like, it might already be time to, like, really think about who you trusted this much money? No, I... Okay, look, look. I don't want to stray too far game away from the game just yet, but I think you do raise an important point, and we'll get to we'll get to Ten Hag himself. Um, I just wanted to maybe jump to you, Kanya. From uh, you've now had your opportunity to laugh at at United. Let's just bring in a bit of balance before we jump back to United and and piling on United. What did you make of Spurs yesterday? Um, you did tip them to obviously beat us before the game. Um, I don't think that was a crazy prediction. I'm not going to give you any depth for that. But roll. just yeah, what do you what do you make of what you've seen so far from them? You said steamroll, by the way, not beat. I mean, they created. Well, look, the second half they steamrolled us. I, I did say steamroll, and it wasn't it wasn't like unbelievable. Obviously, there was the handball that could have maybe swung the game. So don't pretend like Spurs were completely faultless, and you guys had zero life to you. Um, what I make of Spurs, I think more than anything, it's made me very very aware of the fact that. Whatever Conte was cooking, he was killing those boys. He was killing those boys. I, 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 I have had my eyes, had my perspective really reshaped around certain coaches. Like given how quickly it seems that Spurs could become this super atta- attacking dynamic side. Although I would like, also like to point out that more than anything, James Madison being at this team makes a very big difference. And yep. Spurs haven't had a midfielder like that since Ericsson. 
And I think that that definitely does play a role. Um, I don't want to get too too giddy and say, you know what, Spurs are really looking like those guys right now. I think that they just came up against a United side that's not super fixed in what they're trying to do right now. Trying to make Mount work and play a, a lot deeper than, I mean, in a best case scenario, play a lot deeper than he has needed to before. So, I don't know. I'm willing to allow that. As funny as it is to have seen you guys lose, that it's primarily growing pains more than anything else right now. Um, I think that the real issues are going to come are going to come in games where you're meant to be dominant, have all the possession, and then if you're still failing to assert yourselves in those kinds of games, there's more to be worried about. Like you lost to a team that, granted, you like I don't know. I I didn't think you guys would win in the first place. I don't I don't think it's like a huge failing on Ten Hag's part now. It just means that you guys do kind of spend like shit. That's why, that's why I was leaning more towards a broader discussion around Ten Hag as opposed to the game itself. Okay, well, let's, then let's get into it now, I guess. Um, you, said something, you said something that I'd like us all to touch on. A United side that's not super fixed, fixed in what they're trying to do right now. Yeah. Toby, how much of that now is... It can't be excused anymore. The fact that, you know, Ten Hag is still going away from home against opposition that are on the same level or better than us and trying to play and trying to, to win games his way. Would it not be better just, you know, going back to that sacrificial element and yeah. allowing the opposition to have the ball and sitting deep? But how much of it is now inexcusable? Like, he's been there for long enough. It's not about trying to find out things. He knows the personnel. He knows the team. He knows the limitations. Yeah. We can't really excuse another season of a terrible record against um, top teams away from home. So how much of yesterday's result do you put on the manager? I think Bones touched on it earlier. He said it's about putting the same team out and allowing them to figure it out themselves, which is, I guess, very important because under a lot of situations, they're going to need to figure it out themselves. And this team in the past has not been able to do that. You see, once we go one note down, they forget how to do all the basics. They forgot how to press. They forget how to pass. Bruno, it's like when you're 1-0 down, he tries to do everything. He just starts kicking, gets intercepted. He tries it again, gets intercepted, and then he starts whining. And I said this, I think, a while ago, and I'll repeat it live. I said, there's no Bruno Fernandez, there's no Bruno Fernandez in this side. But, like I, I said... I disagree with that, by the way. I just wanted to also put that on the podcast. But yeah, carry on. Captain now, so that's not going to change. So I accept that. So I'll have to find a way in which I can believe that it will happen with him there. So, based on your point, though, is... When I look back at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's era, he said this team cannot play possession-based football, so let's do what we know, counter-attacking, and let's be one of the best that we can do, right? Fair enough. Now, with Ten Hag, like we don't know what he's able to do. Is he able to be a possession-based side? Does he want to just be a counter-attacking side? What, what do you guys think he's trying to do? That's the first question I need to ask, and then we'll just build on there. Well, it's very clear that he's trying to be a team that at home yeah. and against inferior opposition dominates the ball. Okay. Um, it's a possession-based team. And then I think away from home, he's, I don't think he's um, willing to concede the ball. So when we're on the ball, he wants us to play and build up, okay. which means it's almost a 50-50 approach, which is why we get into so many head-to-head games like yesterday, which yeah. is very end-to-end. No one's dominating for large periods. Both teams have chances. And yeah. then you end up with a game like yesterday, which is what we saw a lot where, oh, if United took their chances, we'd win. Oh, if the other team um, takes their chances, they win. And that's what I think I was alluding to with my question is, 
Okay. I, I think that'll be worse for United this season than it was last season because yeah. you can't go to Villa <laughs> without a plan to like you have to go away to Villa, you have to go away to Newcastle. These are tough places to go away to Brighton. If you go there and with nope. a we'll see what happens approach, <laughs> it's gonna get bad very okay. quickly. Fair enough. So you're talking when we're at home, wanting to be a possession based side, putting his imprint on the team, etc. But then the, the team puts out, it doesn't really match that. For example, like a midfield, I mean, a front three of Joe Rashford and um, Anthony. Yes, Anthony, a ball retention specialist. Marcus Rashford, he's not so good at hold up. Ball retention specialist. Wait, I, I feel like I feel like he's like lying. Rashford is not good, not good hold up player. And yeah, he's not. I don't oh, think he's good. Okay. So, yeah, I said he's not. He's not. He's so, not like really good at linking up and stuff like that. So why would you okay. not play and start Sancho? I don't get like it's it doesn't what you're trying to do. If you want to do that, you need players that are able to recycle the ball. Play Sancho. Play. I don't want to say his name. Martial. Rashford. Like, that's how. I mean, and Anthony. That's obviously. I mean, sorry, Anthony Rashford and Sancho. That's probably what the best front three would be, but he doesn't want to do that, and he ends up trying to play Garnacho, and then it's just it's just counts. Doesn't make sense to me personally. And like I said, I'm not a tactical, but hey, I just don't think that's gonna make sense to me, man. Well, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to to give us a cop out here, um, and I want you to be the guy. Toby's mentioned the fact that you know there, there's a lot of personal limitations we have here, you know. Uh, Martial's fitness is a big one. Hoyland's fitness is another. Uh, the inconsistency of some of... So when I asked Kobe the question about how much you put on the manager, this is your opportunity to either save him or not, if you want. But how much of it can actually be put on him when he's never really had Man United, the squad at its peak to perform? He's always had some sort of limitation. And I get the fact that that happens to every manager. Like, it's not unique to him. But when we're talking about United's inability to really do what they want to do, I mean, how? I mean, the fact that Rashford is still starting up top, even though everybody knows, everyone in their dog knows that's not where he wants to play. Like, are the manager's hands a bit tied? What do you make of it? I think it's a very complex situation. Um, I think it actually touches slightly on a point you made a few years ago where you said the next manager is going to have a big task on his hands in terms of getting this team to being a competitive team in, in the realest sense. And I think it's because Ole in particular wasn't really a coach. He was, he was a manager more like Sir Alex Ferguson, more overseeing things and, you know, being a, a player first manager, but not really actually looking at the tactics. And now Ten Hag is someone who's actually coaching the players, trying to develop the players and develop them in a style that is, I think, supposed to be a hybrid depending on the situations, as we've kind of alluded to. Um, and that takes a lot, especially coming from the fact that they weren't necessarily tactically astute coming into his reign. And there's also the whole thing of Ronaldo last season, which I think happened so... It, it feels like it happened a long time ago, but it was, it was literally last season. Like it, it, A lot of things have actually come during that time that I think have made his job quite difficult. And it, it's not like we've also had a lot of funds to be able to just... Ah, yeah. Mass exodus. A mass exodus. <laughs> hold on, hold on. To have like a mass exodus and then... Re replace those players like we can't just spend money when we've got and stockpile 
players when you know we're not able to sell the players so that also kind of makes things hard in terms of getting the right personnel and it's only been a season to be fair i do think that he could be using some of the players better i i think that rashford in particular um if you are going to play him at striker then you, this, the wingers have to have a very specific instructions to to help him be good at the position because as we say he's not naturally inclined to it anymore um, and he's kind of accepted that left wing is where he should be and i don't know anthony and garnacho in particular have been very goal goal oriented and 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 quite risky in terms of when they choose to dribble and pass and the passing just isn't making sense like there's just been a lot of bad decision making that just I, that is not up to the that's not the coach's fault that's just the players not doing what not having a good feel of the game and i think that also is factored into the fact that there's no real balance so the attackers try to do too much because they know that we can't really retain right now because th- there's no balance in the midfield and you know there's just a disconnect so it's it's it, i think it's on both it, the players aren't doing what they need to but i think ten hag needs to also try try be a bit more risky in his adjustments and um give some players uh a, a more of a fair chance um given the fact that some guys just aren't performing at this moment in time 100% bro it's, that that's very valid um i'd i'd the point about the balance is probably the scariest thing right now because before i move to you kanya the, the problem that i think we have now is that last season we had the oh it's his first season we had the ronaldo situation we had um you know the integration of new personnel we could fall back on these things so when we when we didn't start the season that well against uh, brighton and brentford and we got humiliated at brentford you know the transfer window wasn't open there was still an opportunity to do to do some stuff um i don't know about you guys but i don't see that that positive outlook now i genuinely don't know what we can do there's talks about getting amrabat in but i don't know how much bringing in a player like sofia and amrabat changes our midfield to the point where it solves our problems i don't know how relying on um a moody rashford and inconsistent bruno like i don't know where these i don't see these problems fixing themselves like i do in the past um but that's enough doom and gloom. What I want to do now is before we close on United, get an outsider's perspective because obviously the three of us, Toby Bones and myself, you know, we this is very close to home. Someone who doesn't give a rat's ass about what happens at Man United other than when we do Kanya. I want to ask you two questions. Number one is is it fair for the pressure to be on Ten Hag after two games as much as it is now given the fact that you support a team that has trusted in a full process, um, a manager that's been backed uh, from top to bottom, uh, but has also coached the players and improved them and developed them and turned your arsenal into what they are now. Do you think that Man United fans are perhaps overreacting? That's the first question I want to ask you. And then the second one I want to ask you is, just from the outside, when you talk about intangibles and you think about where certain teams are, you know, Man City are... The Man City are still probably the best team in, in, in the country despite losing a few key players. So you think about where they are mentally, they probably face an uphill battle this season in terms of getting back to their level. You think of Arsenal probably being the most settled side. You think of Newcastle being the hungriest challengers. You think of Chelsea as, you know, having a, a clean slate under Poch and can really do it whatever they want. You think of Liverpool trying to prove a point. Where do you, from an outsider's point of view, put Man United on a 
on a mental on a mental scale because we, I feel like we are we're back to where we were two seasons ago where we are literally one one loss away from a crisis and that's what we saw yesterday one loss and it's crisis and it's panic stations so my first question um which is you know the pressure on Ten Hag and then secondly I want to know from an outsider's perspective what what does it look like right now to you so <clears throat> I think the the fact that Ten Hag spent what he has unfortunately makes it really hard to to stay in his corner. Like, I, I really, really do think that he's been extremely unlucky in that he's, 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 joined, he's joined a club that, as you said before, always feels like they're on the verge of crisis, right? Never feels like United, like United's last six months or last two months or last, even their last game, their last win is enough. You, you, you think United lost their first two games of the season with, with the reaction that's come out, right? But I, I think I think it's that the expectations are so high because of how much Ten Hag has had to spend that it's hard to have this balanced balanced view of him. Like the idea should be that if you have enough to have made top four and to have you know slowly started instilling your ideas, you should be someone that 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 that, ha- that has a team with a clear identity by now, or at least the beginning one. Right now. <laughs> You have Mount, and again, it's only two games in, so it might feel like like we're judging him too soon. Who looks like he doesn't fit at all, and with like everyone was thinking, Ericsson replacement. That he doesn't look like he's playing the same position Ericsson is playing right now. So it's just like, is this like a stylistic change? Is it a formation change that Tenag is purposefully implementing, or can Mount just not play the role? And is he as a player letting you guys down? When you spend seventeen Casemiro, sixty on Mount, one hundred on Anthony. And then those are the players that everyone's looking at. Like, I don't know if this makes one hundred percent sense right now. And those are all players signed by Ten Hag. It becomes kind of difficult to make the excuses for him, because like, what, like, what else is meant to happen? But at the same time, I think purely because it is still match week two, it's unfair for people to be on Ten Hag like this. Like, it, it just, it just doesn't make sense. You can you can say that last season the signs were there and United weren't perfect. That's a different conversation. The reality is he got top four, he won a trophy. Four right now. If you want to be ahead of the curve and, and say, I knew he should he should he should be getting fired when the time comes, then go ahead and make that claim. But right now, on the body that the body of work that he's produced, it is one hundred percent unfair. He does deserve he deserve he deserves time to fall in the sword, I think. I think Ten Hag should be given the season. And if you guys finished like eight and there are no signs of improvement in any players, then 100% you, you, you're inclined and you have to criticize them. And then on a mental level, for your second question, um, I really, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of scared by what's happened to you guys. What, like, I, if you guys remember, like, on Monday, before United played, played Wolves, I was thinking you guys were going to that game and you'd win, like, comfortably. You know, like, you're meant to be facing a team that has just lost their coach that should be you know, f- like far from like harmonious, and you guys found a way to make it look like they were a side pushing for a top half finish. That's and it's not made better by the fact that they went on to lose four one at home against Brighton. Like on a on a mental level, I you guys look like a side that's afraid. Like you guys look like a side that that's below Brentford on a mental level, a side that's below mm. Brighton who look excited that they have European football this season. 
you you you're behind City, you're behind Liverpool, who look like they're trying to prove something. They, you know, they won like granted against Bournemouth and was at Anfield, but they won with ten men. We've just seen West Ham beat Chelsea with ten men. The only team I think that that like only top team I think you guys are like neck and neck with in terms of where they might be mentally is Chelsea, and those guys don't know each other. So I don't I don't know I don't know how, what that what that says about you guys. But that being said, like it's early. It's really, really early. Hoyland hasn't played yet. There's, there's, there will be much easier games to come than games against, against like a boy in Tottenham at home. And things should balance out. Oh, which, I don't, I don't which think easier games? Brighton at Old Trafford and Arsenal away? Are those the easy games you're talking about? <laughs> no, you've got Forest next to you at Old Trafford. Forest is not easy. It's even Arsenal struggled 2 1. Remember, don't forget, bro. Yeah, yeah, but that's like it's. It wasn't a perfect game, but in the first half we bust them, like we did. Yeah, but and yeah. you guys have enough quality to get past Nottingham Forest. If you guys don't come, don't come with the win in that game, I think then questions need to really, really be asked. And I don't know how you even address those questions, but it, like it really is not the worst case scenario already. It's it's been and it's been an, like an uninspiring start, definitely. But it's not it's not all over, guys. Really. Like, in the I best think, case scenario, in the best yeah. case scenario, you guys finish fourth again, if we're honest. They're not, they're not competing for a title. We've already acknowledged that much. Um, with the European standings being what they are, with this season being the last one with the regular thing, with the, with the regular UCL format, next season, if you finish fifth, like, this season you finish fifth, you, you'd probably still make Champions League. With that, with that in mind, I think you guys can definitely do that. I don't, I don't think that things are so bad right now that you need to be this perfect side. The real concerns are just about... I think the real concerns will come when everyone is fit. You guys are a squad that doesn't have much depth. And you kind of need to see what happens when your squad is everything it's meant to be. They've been, like, very few, like, truly, truly bright moments, but they have been there. And they've been there when you've had a, when you've had a full team. I think you have to just trust that Right now, it's not perfect, but it doesn't need to be. There's very few teams that play their very, very best football in the first two weeks of the season. That's not when you should be looking to be the very best version of yourselves. There's still Champions League games to come. There's a lot to still be up for, I think. It doesn't need to be all over yet. Yeah. Well, all that I took from there is that we found ourselves in, another, in the exact same position as last season. We go into our third game of the season... Needing a win, otherwise serious questions are going to be asked about our team and our manager. Absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, we did. Uh, Club, can't we play Liverpool every week at home? Jesus, Um, (laughs) hilarious, hilarious. But you get my point. Like you're United, you you need to win at least one in your first three because God knows you won't win the fourth game. Okay, let's now. You never know in football. That's now. They say you never know, but that's enough for United. I think. Yeah, we can do a, a, a whole a whole series on United. I feel like week in, week out. But let's jump to some other Premier League results. Um, starting with some from yesterday, Liverpool. Uh, a horrific start to comfortably dispatch Bournemouth at home, despite a dubious red card from McAllister. Um, let's get some thoughts. I know Kanye and I shared our thoughts on Liverpool in the other episode. But uh, Chloe, what, where, in terms of where Liverpool are right now, um, what 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 do you make of them? Give me a blank assessment. Like what what's what, what's the deal with Liverpool right now in your eyes? They're just still adapting to what Klopp has to offer, man. I think 
we saw what Trent was doing last season. Obviously, he was at fault for the first goal, so I think he's still going to get used to that. But I don't know. I'm, I'd be happy if I was a Liverpool fan. I'd be excited for what's coming because I think that attack raised that as well. Nunes yeah. doesn't start for them. Luis Diaz is also coming on in hot form, and that's a player. He's on form. Eight. He's cooked. So, I don't know. If I was a Liverpool fan right now, I'd be I'd be content. And then also with what happened with Caicedo today, I'm sure those guys are smiling, bro. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't really have much to say on Liverpool. Bun them, man, to be honest. But, I don't know. They should be alright, to be honest. Bones, opportunity for a hot take. Liverpool, better or United? Oh, sorry. Better season or worse season than United? Um, <laughs> uh, Give us something. Anything. <laughs> no, no, no. Screw you guys. <laughs> They're trying to sit you I think I think they'll probably both end up having good seasons. I think United will probably be a good cup team. Um, I, I just feel that, um, and I think Liverpool will be better in the league. Uh, they're cooking. I think I, I really like the USDS, and I think he's one of those players where, when he's very confident and fit, um, he's he's like the X factor. He's very explosive, very unpredictable. Um, and I think also that Salah is also growing more as a playmaker, which is going to, I think, also keep feeding that confidence in players to look for goals. Um, so they're they're looking they're looking good. Um, midfield's looking good. Um, Shabbos lies. He's he's adapting quite well. Um, yeah, they they look good. They look good. That's that's about all I got to say. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, just to interject there, I think the role that Gakpo uh, is playing, I don't think it suits him very well, man. I don't know if he, they, I don't know really what, I don't really understand what they're trying to get out of him because I don't really think that's where he's able to excel on the pitch personally, playing that like left center, that the mid role. I'm not sure if you guys are watching him recently, but what did you guys think of him playing there, as opposed to where he usually plays? Gakpo or Mount is my question to you. Bro, come on. <laughs> I'm thinking Gagpo every day of the week. Hey. Like, give me, okay, okay, I don't want to go back to United, but if I was to ask you, just give me one thing you remember Mount doing in that match that he played against Spurs, you won't remember, bro. You will not remember. I'm taking, no, you're right. I'm taking Gagpo. Does, does Mount start for a top of top off side as it stands? Guys, let's not go back to United. I'm gonna, I'm gonna interject there. I don't want to, I don't want to fall into the trap, please. Four months in United. I'm, I'm curious. Where do you guys stand? Like, how do you guys feel about him? Like, where, where would he be playing? Is he if Mount was, if Mount, if Mount was that good, he'd still be at Chelsea. I think that's we can all agree on that. Bro, I'd rather, Mount take, was, I'd rather take Chukumeka over Mount, bro, to play in that area. Ooh. I won't lie to you. Well, Ooh. well, so does Todd Bowley, and so yeah. Mount's but anyways. Moving on to the other Manchester club, Tanya, um, you 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 laid the gauntlet down for our friend Phil Foden the other day, and I said I I said he can't play in the midfield three, um, or rather we we shouldn't expect too much of him if he plays in that midfield three, but he he lined up next to Kovacic and um, and Rodri as I as I said, and he had a killer game, created seven chances, the most on it, of any player on the pitch. He he had that sort of performance uh, where he he just felt like a talisman, assisted the goal. 
I'm not now saying you're wrong by any stretch of imagination, but what did you make of him? Um, and that, and generally Man City's win over Newcastle. Because that was, you know, that could have easily been a, a banana peel for them. That could have yeah. easily gone wrong. Yo, look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that he stepped up to the plate. This is, this is what I was asking for. I said, please, show us. Sure. They keep saying you're this guy. They keep saying you, you are England's best talent since who knows where. Since Gascoigne, they say. You know, so the fact that he played really well against Newcastle, power to him. That's that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see more of Foden as opposed to hearing about Foden. I think that's really what like what I'm really asking for. I think that's that's a crazy thing. Um, but no, genuinely, like he played really, really well in an extremely boring game. Um, so shout out to him. He should he should be proud of himself. I hope that when when the going gets really tough, that this continues. I I, I in fact Sheffield next week, Foden, do it for me again. Against Fulham, two weeks later, again, brother, please, please. I, I'd like to see two months, two months of, of, of some consistency from Bowden where I can say, you know what? You, I interject you, you are, you, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Toby. But you're saying that as if Pep Guardiola will give him that consistency to play in that position almost every week. You know, who's he going to bench him for? Sorry? Who's going to bench him for? Who's there? There's no one in the team. After Foden, it's Cole Palmer. After that, it's, Max, it's Maximo Peron, who I don't... I don't know if he's left or right-footed. I assume he's left-footed. He sounds, sounds like he's left-footed. They're not linked with Verts, no? I mean, they're, well, linked, they're linked with him. He hasn't joined. I, I can only talk about what I can see week to week. But let me ask you something. Why would they be linked with him if Pep said, no, I think Foden can do this thing? Because he knows that Foden, he doesn't want to trust him there for too long, which is why they're linked with this guy to play that role. I believe that. That's what I believe. Yeah, but they need depth as well, like any other team. I mean, this is a team that competes for every tournament in every game. They played all but one game last season, which was the Carabao Cup final. Like, they do need more players, regardless of whether he thinks Foden is that guy or not. Like, what, if Foden gets injured, then what? But it's over. United might finish headed in that case. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, like I said, all I want to see is just some consistency. I'd, I'd like Foden to, 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 to have a run long enough to justify how he ends up winning awards at the end of the season. That's really all I want from him. I like Foden. I, I, just, I just think that sometimes we go too far with the praise for him. Yeah. For, anyways, I've got a hot take for you, man. Do you think City can do the Invincibles this year? No. Okay. no. What? No, I just no. think it's possible, bro. That defense is insane, man. I'm sorry, guys. It's not. Bro, I'm sorry, you. it's not. They just have four centre-backs that people rate. But in terms of them being like a great defense, that was um, a January to May thing in my eyes, right? And I'm, this is not, I'm not trying to be edgy, but they will definitely concede more goals right now. I mean, sorry, this season. Because I just don't believe in rotating your back five, your core that much. Like, I think it worked last season because no one knew what to do with John Stone stepping into midfield. And they had that sort of, we're going for the treble vibe. But yesterday, I saw Kanji stepping into that midfield role. Oh, yeah. Like, he did that in the Super Cup today as well. He didn't, yeah. yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I don't, let's not, I don't, I don't think having four or five good centre backs makes you some unbelievable defense, like defensive unit. And I could be wrong, but like, no. City Invincibles, no. City with this uh, crazy defense, no. I think they'll, they'll be the same City that we always know. They will just concede a lot fewer goals than they score. But, and most of the, like those guys, there's a new injury every week. I don't think they have any sort of consistency to the point where there'll be some amazing uh, defensive unit that, that like stands out amongst Europe's top five leagues. They'll be good, 
But no, you've actually annoyed me with your question, if I'm honest. I, I think my thing is that Tuti are very rarely under pressure in any case. So, like, th- like them having the, the defenders that they do have, is, it's not... It's not, they're, not, they're, not, they're not defensive in a way that means they they can take on sustained pressure for so long and definitely keep teams out. If you get chances, if you if you manage to get chances against against City, provided you're clinical, you're you're not gonna be like 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 how actually best example how Wolves played against uh, United last week Monday. If they had better finishes, they they beat they could beat City like that like playing that way. I I just hundred percent. Like City are just so far from invincible for me. They they are one dimensional. They are unentertaining. I I I'd, I'd like to see it. Like if if we were playing, if they had that that same kind of attacking tempo that they once had, I'd be more willing to believe that it's possible. But as of right now, and like no, something would have to change. They need to be playing very very differently for me to think these guys can go can go invincible. In fact, they'll probably lose at Old Trafford. I'm willing to bet on that blindly. Okay, let's yeah, it's let's just wait for the transfer window to finish before we start um, backing United again. I'll back to definitely against the wall. Whatever version of United, put 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 your money on it. Martial and Rashford both back in that game. Tell me about Hoyland and Pelistri rather. But anyways, no United guys, no more United. Please, please, Um, Toby, I'm gonna put you on the spot here. Your boys are back. Aston Villa four nil winners over Everton. Top four is on. (laughs) Top four is on. Top four is on. And I think they're rumoured to bring in uh, Tavares as well. That's going to be a great addition. It was either him or Acuna, I think. Those two, either we, either one of them were going to be very, very good. But anyways, you know, Emery Ball, I think, obviously, I've read a lot of these Tactico accounts. They always say, yeah, this guy's structure is flawed. What, what, what? It's just a cup. It's just a cup team that'll end up winning the conference or whatever they're in. But now nah, I've been impressed with them, especially... Bailey and um, Bailey, sorry, Bailey and what's the, Diaby up front. Um, Kanya, I spoke to earlier about that volley, bro. That guy, he's insane this season. I'm sure you guys are hacked he didn't come Arsenal, but no, nah, I think it was a great performance across the board. Coutinho went off with what another hamstring injury, or I think something wrong with his ACL actually. But it, looked, he, it looked like a hamstring injury. I think it, it looks like a, a serious one as well. Yeah, very serious. Well, he could barely even walk off the other side of the pitch, and I'm just like, it's just. Stuff like this in football, I just feel so bad for these players, man. Like, this guy, he just came out from one injury and now he's going back into a whole other injury. And I'm just like, he's at this point, I guess they're just going to have to just let him go because what else are you going to do, man? But I don't know. I think it was a very good performance. I think, Kanye, you watched the game. What did you think from that performance? No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that they bounced back from last week. That was a very scary start for them. Like, I'm, I'm much needed tonic. It made me more worried for Everton more than anything else. Um, you, you're speaking about injuries. Saw Dominic Calvert Lewin go off. So Wobi go off injured as well. For a team that's already not that good, I'm I'm extremely extremely nervous for what happens with the next. Uh, more, more than anything, it just like reminds me that if it's not really 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 shit, shit, and mates, <laughs> like like Ashley Young at 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 38 as your left back is a bit insane to me. I don't know why he thought he needed to make this move as well. I would have retired at Villa if I was him. You know, he's gone back to a club he first joined in 2007. I don't know why he thought I need to play some more footy. <laughs> I, I have to assume Ashley Young has some gambling debts that he has to pay off. Because if, if I was him, I would be on Sky Sports right now. Oh, my goodness. What about Paul performance as well? 
No, he, play, he played well. Good, like, a solid performance on the ball. I think he completed the most passes in the game. Right. Um, like, very assured. Like, it's what I'd expect. Like, in a, in a, in a game when Villa dominate possession, Paul yep. is likely to stand out because, you know, he's a really good passer. So, and you know, he, nothing crazy. What makes it even better is that I think Umari, uh, Emery has convinced that board to buy players because they even went on to bring players like, what, Tielemans. I know you hate this guy, but Diego Carlos, bringing him on as well. Like, come on, that's, that's pretty decent able to bring on these players compared to Everton who had to bring on players like have you heard of a guy called Lewis Cobbin <laughs> Tyler yeah. Bro. <laughs> Everton are in a very bad place man um, but that Juba came on he was cold so I was taking at United no cap but anyways that, let's not talk about yeah. that but on, on, on basis of today I'm willing to put Everton as one of my three to go down I'll decide on the other two in the next United few weeks United has to be one who? United, man, for me personally. <laughs> the, yeah, the other two are definitely Luton and Sheffield. Those, Luton. those guys are here for vibes. I, I, I haven't seen a full 90 of, of Luton yet. I don't want to write them yeah. over yet. They'll probably lose to Chelsea next week. But let me let me give them some grace. So yeah. then we'll move on to, to our last result. Another entertaining one, and I guess, you know, the one we can all enjoy. West Ham deservedly, doggedly, with that dog in them, overcoming Potts' Chelsea. Chelsea winless, um, winless start to the season. It's only been two games. Interesting stat for you guys. Chelsea have won five of their last 31 Premier League matches uh, after today's result. Obviously, if we're going to talk about Man United having, you know, give them time, it's early doors, then we have to extend to Chelsea and to Potts. Kanye did mention the fact that these guys probably only met. I don't think Chukwameka and Thiago Silva have said a word to each other, you know. <laughs> Um, does Enzo like know the difference between Disasi and Fofana, for example? Probably not. Like, you know, so let's let's give them grace there. But Bones, um, Chelsea, Chelsea as a whole, I, I praise them a lot. And I told you, I, I, I basically declared that it was scary hours for the rest of us once they clicked. Um, I expected them to beat West Ham today, but they didn't. Bro. What, what do you think? It's just, you know, growing pains. Was it a dog? Was it more West Ham? Being the better team, but what Chelsea as a whole, where where do you stand on Chelsea? Um, I agree that at some point when things start to click, um, they've got a lot of quality. And if Poch is able to get a good style of play going with those players, um, I think they can be a very powerful and exciting team because they've got a lot of legs in that team. Um, so they could they can definitely overrun a team, but it's it's about whether there's a there's an intentionality to that to to that effort. Um, so I think they they can cook. They but they are going to need a little bit of time, or not a lot of time actually, because it's not even like there was necessarily a proper core um, that Poch was coming into. Like half the team has been sold to Saudi, um, and you know a lot of new players. There were a lot of new players last season as well. Um, you have someone like Nkuku who got injured. So they, there is a lot to figure out. There's a lot of moving parts. So they definitely do need... I think Potts does deserve at least a few... At least 10 games before people can start really saying too much about whether they're in... Um, whether they're in a good state or a bad state. Um, just just because there are so many moving parts... Um, it, it would be unfair to to judge them too quickly. Um, and there are some bright spots. They have a lot of quality, as I said. So 
I think it is just early days at the moment. Fair enough. Um, so you think essentially they're going to cook, but they're going to, it's going to be a slow cook. It's going to be one of those slow cookers, you know, December, yeah. December, January time. We'll take them seriously. Yeah. 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 At least we'll see if they're serious. Fair enough. Tanya, let's talk about our boy. I'm fully in. I am all in on Nicholas Jackson. What have you made of his start to life at the bridge? Mate, I, I, I honestly feel that Enzo fucked up by taking the penalty. You should let my boy, my boy Nico step up, get, get himself a goal early days. But um, honestly, I think him, I think Chukumeka, Nico Jackson and Sterling are probably the bright spots in that Chelsea team right now. I'm, I'm very, very big on Nico, as you know. I'm glad that you, you've joined me. As as a believer in uh, in the Prem's next big thing, huh? I'm just he's I'm just... all action. He's all action, bro. One bro, man band. Wait, kind of. Like, like, he's he's almost like the anti Haaland right now. And I say this aware of the fact that right now he hasn't scored, so that sucks. But yeah. he's involved so much more in the game. He's much more exciting to watch as a striker. You know, like and we haven't we haven't had that kind of guy with someone like his size in quite some time. Like the idea of him and Isak coming into Prem is like. Similar time frames. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing, honestly. He's, it, it, Mikael, Mikael. Let's hear you, Toby. Toby. What's the difference between Mikel Antonio and Nicholas Jackson? Wow. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bro, they do the same thing. Face and power. Well, but, okay. not United right now. So, I don't know. Maybe it's compliments. Maybe, maybe we're just not paying attention. But one big difference that I point out, uh, you know, Antonio completed three passes today. And he scored one banger, so fair enough. That's his <laughs> Okay, so the, the, difference, the difference is that Nicholas Jackson, Nicholas Jackson completed 20. He's, he's a lot more involved in the game. He's got a lot more technique to him. There's a lot more to his game than just goals. And honestly, honestly, Shop, he probably should have scored today. But... The, the difference between them is quite big. There's a lot. There's like that's such a such a low low move from you, Toby. For someone who doesn't even have a strike right now, <laughs> Nico Jackson like this is is appalling. In fact, Nico Jackson gonna outscore Hoyland this season. But you're here. To... Okay, no, I'm here to tell you that's a cap. I'm here. To okay, say. you've heard it here first. Hits and misses. There we go. Already. I'm here there we go. Yeah. We, have first, we have our first. We have our first. We have our first one v one. We have our first one v one of the season. Toby says Hoyland is going to outscore Jackson, uh, Kanye's team Jackson. I, I, I don't care if Hoyland is in a wheelchair by the end of the season. This, you made this bet. You made this bet. Look, personally, from a personal standpoint, I would really like Hoyland to come out on top. But given the fact that one guy has, what, 180 prim minutes and the other guy has zero, I don't think it's looking good for Hoyland. Um, but yeah. Bones, I'll let you. I'll let you be the 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 neutral one. Yeah, pick pick one for me. Hoyland or, or Jackson? Just oh. go. <laughs> um, I think actually go, to your point. Um, I think Hoyland's gonna need a lot of time to actually adjust. Um, hey, give us a name. I'll say Jackson. <laughs> Don't contextualize. Don't contextualize. What do you hear you? Bro, bro was writing a dissertation. Just pick a name. Yeah, Jack, Jackson. <laughs> we don't care what you read. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. Wait, so Bones, Bones is... 
He's locked in Jackson. He's got Jackson locked in. I'm just, I'm just really glad that we're able to, you know, this feels like the good old days, man. Like enough talk about midfielders and you know this guy and this guy. Let's just back your striker. Like your striker needs to score goals and your team needs to win. That's it. Like I hope at one point we get to see Hoyland, Jackson, Haaland, Isak. Uh, I was about to say Jesus, but uh, who knows? Um, just a whole bunch of strikers just going at it, going band for band, going goal yeah. for goal in the league. And the league needs it because obviously one of the greatest Premier League strikers of all, our, our time isn't there anymore, Harry Kane. Uh, just had to shout him out. <laughs> but um, I think Nico Jackson is the perfect segue to the last segment of this episode. Um, a league that we didn't really, we, we touched on in drips and drabs last season. Um, a league that I think we should take a little bit more seriously this year. Let's see what they have to offer. I think we're going to talk about it a lot on the league. Let's move to La Liga, uh, our friends in Spain. Early days. Um, I never really know what to make of the beginning of a La, La Liga season. Usually one of the big three just falls like nine points behind before they make up that gap. So we'll start with the team in white, Los Blancos. Um, blistering start to the season. Two wins from two. And that boy, Jude. Um, Toby. Jude's start in Madrid. Expected? Is it the standard? New player bounce? Uh, good dynamics? What, what, what's happening with Jude and Madrid? All of, above, all of their above. Obviously, I will give you your dabs. You've been a Jude Bellingham fan since day one. I don't know if you bought your flight ticket to the- when you came or whatever, but I'm not going to lie. You were there, <laughs> you were there. <laughs> you were there since day one, and it's looking like it's going to pay off because how many goals now? Three goals in two games. Is that correct? I think, I think, I don't know. I know he scored about three goals in two games, I think. So that's a great return. I think even, and I think when you just talk about the intangibles, you see the way all the players love when you look at Vinny, Chuameni, Kamavinga, there's a vibe there. I know this is kind of giving off look of Firmino's face, but I mean, you can, <laughs> I don't know. There's a good chemistry. It's not like a brotherhood, but I think the guys are happy that they've got him. And then he's just performing in all aspects. I think we're seeing that he's a lot more effective higher up the pitch than I think we all knew he wasn't a player anyway but I think he's very very effective and um on the other side of the pitch and I hope he continues to do well man better than him being a Klopp trying to be some double pivot trying to give him heavy metal football I'm glad he didn't go there so anyways yeah great for Madrid man I know Rendai is he's drinking he's excited yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to keep a lid on Rendai if um <laughs> if this starts if if the start of the season is what's is what uh, is what's coming from Madrid, yeah, it's gonna be hard to shut him up. Thing I told you about building him along oh my I, I'm not down. I can't be asked to hear that. But uh Bones, uh Madridista yourself. Um I have to be honest with you, Bones. I was nervous for Jude. I've put a lot behind him. Um huge amounts of backing. Huge, huge amounts of backing. And then he goes to Madrid and you know it's more, there was a lot of fanfare around his signing. And I feel like when that happens, your start is even more important than if you're just a signing at a new club, right? Because then it's about settling in. It's about performing. It's about winning the fans over. It seems like he's ticking all the boxes right now. Um, so not only Jude, but Madrid obviously have to recover from what can be considered an unsuccessful season last season? Like, let's be honest. There was, last season was by no means a success for Madrid. And they've just spent a whole lot of money on Bellingham. There's still Arda Goulet that still has to come and recover from his injury. But are you, do you think that this is a transformative signing? 
or a piece in a in a bigger puzzle? Is this a transition season or are Madrid ready to fight for it all in your eyes? Um, I think I think it's more transitional season. I do think it will be competitive, um, but I think it's more transitional season for the fact that we don't have, uh, let's say, a star striker, which is something that is, you know, a bit unusual for Madrid in the last decade and a bit. Um, and I, I like what Rodrigo, what, like the little two, two-man game that Rodrigo and Vinicius are kind of rocking with right now, supported by Jude and, and all the midfielders. Um, and I think my fear was that we were stockpiling a lot of prodigious midfielders at once and you know all of them wanting to I mean really at that age the best way that you can improve is through play and all of them would have wanted to be playing and there's only so many spots you're not necessarily completely moving on from Kroos and Modric either so I just wasn't sure if those guys would be able to really put their egos aside and, and, and buy into whatever Ancelotti was trying to cook, but as as you noted, um, there's been a good vibe around Jude. Um, he started amazingly. I, I couldn't, in my wildest dreams, I couldn't have imagined he was going to start this well. Um, and you know, he's got he's got a maturity and an, an aura about him that I think he kind of needs in in terms of battling all of those expectations and not letting them get to him. Um, whether it's it's real or facade or if it's just early days, I don't know. But I am hopeful that uh, that midfield, those midfield stars are, are able to stay together and find a way because I think that that creates a very good spine. And, you know, then it just, you just need a striker really just to, to put them over the top and make them perennial challenges. Um, but, yeah, I think it's more transitional season than they're ready to fight for at all. Oh, not sure. Um, not sure your fellow Madridistas would be happy with that. But let's move to another one. Tanya, uh, you're also part of Los Blancos. It's not all sunshine and rainbows, obviously. Uh, the 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 injuries to Militao and Couture were not uh, came at probably the worst possible time, just before match day one, match day one, and on match day one. Um, how much do you think that speaks to Bones's point where? Things aren't. Things are good, but not that great. And in your eyes, should this be a season where we look at Madrid and say they should challenge for everything, or is it a case of finding their feet and now the injuries won't help? I mean, challenging for everything is optimistic at best. I think we know that we are about to say goodbye to Carlo one last time. So even even with him, this is this is his one song. He's more than more than anything else. We come into the season as as Bones said without like a set number nine. I don't think our issue is going to be goals. It's going to just be like in the variation in how we can try and play. So really, the big the bigger issue for me is going to be the fact that Militao's out and it doesn't seem that we're looking to buy anyone. And then we also lost who I believed was the best goalkeeper in the world and replaced him with Kepa. So I, I, I think there's just there's just too much that we've lost at once on top of not necessarily getting this lights out attacker. I, I, like we're just not there yet. We're not there yet. And I think that in the long term we will be not better for it, but I think it it's helps it's helped ease expectations very early on. I think 
in La Liga, we should be winning it. Barca don't look anything like what I would expect a team that's just won the league to look like. They look like they've gotten worse. Obviously, they've lost. Um, they lost Dembele. They, for some reason, seems like he's being linked to the move away as well. So, you know, it doesn't seem to be like there's a lot of stability by them, despite having their long-term coach, it seems. So, no, but competing for all things, the reality is this Madrid team, if we come up against City, I think we'd lose in exactly the same way. I don't think we've gotten better. And for that reason alone, I don't think I can say I expect Madrid to compete in all fronts. But I do think that we, we will be good enough to at least not fall away in the league the way we did last season. And that's, that's what I can ask for. As long as in the league we are respectable and we're competing for the title, I'm happy. Oh, okay. Well, competing for the league, we know it's going to be between one of three teams. I don't think it's an edgy take to say that it won't be any other team. So let's just move on to, you know, the big rivals. We'll start with the crosstown rivals, Atletico Madrid. Um, I would like to just, if you guys would allow me, to just go on a bit of a, a soliloquy about Atletico. Did you guys know that in 2023, no Spanish team earned more points than Atletico Madrid? I did. Um, Very aware. And I think with that, with that fact being stated, Diego Simeone, my apology needs to be as loud as my disrespect, perhaps even louder. Because I had written you off at the start of last season. Um, I think two or three months in, I was talking about looking for replacements for Simeone. You know, the race was run. And I kind of, like many other people, just uh, threw Atleti to the side. Um, Wasn't really concerned about what they were doing. I thought, you know, they just had to make it to the end of the season. And then they just turned the corner. Um, And they turned the corner when they let go of that guy. The guy who's arguably one of the least self-aware footballers, you know, of our generation. If we're talking about generational talents, that's what he's offered in this generation. Jao Felix. There's a lot of talk about transfer movements. I know, um, Tanya, you just met, mentioned Fatih leaving. Jao Felix to Barca. First of all, should it be a thing? Like, will that help, help Barca? But two, do you not think that sticking with Fatih is probably a better thing for them anyways? Like, does that does that perspective move even makes sense to you no i i think i think it's really really stupid i th- i think there's no reason whatsoever to be trying to get jao felix in barcelona um i honestly think he'd suit a smaller side that tries to build around him i don't what, like owl, like a club that begins with al in saudi <laughs> i i would love i would love <laughs> that's where he went but no i'm, I'm thinking in a, more, in, a more, in a more serious note like i think he'd suit syria more like I, I've been saying, like throughout the summer or well, the winter, and outside, um, that he's meant to be at Lazio. That's that's actually where he's, he's meant to be playing under Sari, and in the same way Sari let let Hazard absolutely dominate and built entirely around him. I think that he he's meant to be there. He's meant to be the crown jewel of of Roma's biggest uh, biggest rivals, and trying to find himself in a different country, as instead of this strange thing he's doing where he feels he's he's inclined and deserving like to ask to ask for a move to Barcelona playing for Letico Madrid I think that's really insane that he that he's said that out loud while still like being employed he has no leverage yeah I totally agree and like I said after um last season's finished last season finished if the move to Barca doesn't work like I'm genuinely worried for the guy because I just, 
it, it's going to take a lot of money to get him out of Atletico Madrid. And if he goes to, for example, Saudi for a lot of money, it's going to take a lot of money to get him out of there. And who's going to want him? Like, I don't think, I don't think Saudi is at the level yet where, you know, these young, especially the younger players that are going there, are, I don't think the league is at a point where exceptional performances there will be enough for a club to shell out money to bring you back. So I, I, I worry that if, if the move to Barca doesn't come through or doesn't go through, you know, this could be the end of the prodigal son. Um, I, probably I, won't I'm, be, willing to, I'm willing to say goodbye, personally. I've, I've seen enough. It was, it was <laughs> great. I, I really, really did like his first season at Benfica. League game three years ago for Atletico Madrid. Ah, we will never forget. On his day. That's what we'll, that's what we'll say about Jean Felix. On his day, he was special. But he can go. And I am I, I can't remember when last I was this unattached to a footballer. What a shame. What a shame. Um, yeah. but with that, I think we've covered a hell of hell of a lot of football lads. Um, it's been a good episode. We hope you've enjoyed listening. We're definitely going to be back next week. Um, one more Premier League game to go in this match week. Let's just get some predictions on that since we never get the opportunity to do that. Tomorrow night, uh, Arsenal take on Crystal Palace. I'll start with you, LLM. Business as usual? Uh, 2-1 win for Arsenal. Very, very uh, tetchy. I imagine that they'll score first. But I'd like to think we'll put it out in the end. Yeah, I'm going to go with that exact prediction. I, I just, like I, told, like I said in the other episode... I think there are so many variables that have just been set up in Arsenal's favour here that if they just take advantage of their first couple of games and get ahead, they can establish a lead that no one will make up. And it's games like tomorrow where you just, you know, get the job done. I think they'll get the job done. I will go 2-1 as well. Bones? I'm going to go 2-0. 2. Oh, oh, oh to, to Arsenal, obviously. Nah, just making sure, man. Just making sure. Next thing you're gonna tell us, you got a hit. Yeah, we're no. still waiting for your. First, we're uh, still waiting for your first hit, but I'm sure this season is your. This, this is your year. That is a lie. That is. You know what? Let's just let's end the episode. Bones, tell us what your hit was quickly. Let's end it This is Bones' year. Trust me, the hit is on the way, and we will be there. Trust me, we'll be there. Gents, it's been a good one. I'll catch you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. Peace.